everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Thunderstruck. Our look back at the greatest matches of Jushin Thunder Liger, as picked by each unique standalone guest of this series. And uh, joining me today is uh, a man who appeared on tw- two episodes of uh, the previous series I did, Curl Summer. He is uh, my favorite lawyer friend, uh, Matt McEwen. You might be my only lawyer friend. Yeah, we don't make friends easily, so... If you have more than one lawyer friend, that might be a reflection on you more than anything. So let's talk about you and your fan relationship with Jushin Thunder Liger. What does he mean to you, Matt? That's a good question. I never really put it that way because I I don't think that deeply about my wrestling fandom. But I think Liger's been a constant in my favorite things about wrestling for the better part of 25 years now. Um, Going back to like searching out uh, wrestling magazines when I was, uh, you know, a preteen in my early teens and, you know, Liger immediately seems to see a picture of him. He stands out. He's, you know, he's flashy. He looks crazy. And then the second you see him wrestle, especially back in the, uh, you know, late eighties, early nineties, you're like, wow, this is not what you expect to see out of, out of wrestling. And it was kind of like a next level thing. And the fact that he's continued on and still been good over all these years. And uh, uh, I remember getting to see him live for the first time in Toronto. And I was amazed by that. And it was incredible. I've had the pleasure of seeing him live a few more times. And uh, just at any point where my wrestling fandom has peaked, Liger has always been a part of it either – the reason for it or um, a, a good part of the, the underneath of the, the peak of that foundation has been Liger's always there. So he, he's been a constant. So when he leaves after January, it's going to be a little bit weird. What was you say was your first time you ever saw him? Who was he in a match against? I think the first time I ever saw Liger, it would have been uh, against Benoit, I think. I would have snooped out one of those matches when I was, so those would have been happening when I was 13 or 14 and I would have snooped him out there. And I actually think it might have been from, do you remember on TSN, Ed Whalen used to host a show and it was uh, wrestling from all the different territories that were still going in the late eighties and early nineties. No, I, cause I, I think that was when like TSN was still a cable uh, channel, like a paid cable channel and, my family never sprung for it, so I didn't get to watch Stampede until like way after the fact on, on tape trading, you know, sites and stuff, things like that. Yeah. So, well, there was a Stampede show, but then there was like Ed Whalen's Weekly Pro Wrestling or or something like that, and he and he just hosted a clip show, and uh, they they did a lot of Central State stuff, and there was occasional Florida matches, and every once in a while there'd be like a world class match, but they did some stuff from Japan, so Liger would show up on that every once in a while. So that so your your first time seeing him, you're thinking is the match against Chris Benoit, and it was a match that was shown on Ed Whalen's clip show. Yeah, exactly. I'm pretty sure it was from New Japan. Okay. Well, that would yeah. that would make sense. I mean, like that's when he was like Benoit was doing the you know Pegasus Kid while Pegasus gimmick. Was he wearing a mask or was he unmasked? Honestly, don't remember, but I would assume from the time frame I'm thinking of, he would have still been in the mask. Okay, so he would have been uh, Pegasus Kid at that point. Okay. So yeah, me, I, I, I'm sure I'll be saying this in conjunction with every other guest I do this on. But like my first experience with Liger was 
in WCW, which I think is like true for a lot of people. And it was the, you know, the matches for the uh, light heavyweight title, the WCW light heavyweight title that he had in the series he had against like Pillman. And then from there, you know, I'd see him like sporadically show up on WCW television. And then when I started take trading, boom, it's like all the New Japan stuff. Oh my God. You know, Wild Pegasus, Black Tiger, Eddie Guerrero, Shinjiro, Tani, Koshi Kanemoto, Tatsuhiro Takaiwa. And then like, all the dream matches you would have, like people against Sasuke and and Hayabusa and everyone else. So it's interesting. Like where one of the things like I find interesting about like my conversations with people is like where did did you discover Liger and so forth and so on. But it's interesting. Like you're you're a much like different perspective. Like you you discovered it through like this kind of Western Canada wrestling scene kind of connection. I discovered it just on through you know WCW basically. Yeah, the the only thing I I know that it wasn't through WCW that I found out who Liger was because I remember being excited hearing that Liger was on the first Nitro show. Um, not that I got the first Nitro show right away because TSN was very weird about it at the time, but uh, I remember being excited for the fact that Liger was coming back. Yeah, I mean, like there was that whole period in the like '92. He's doing the stuff in WCW. He wouldn't come back for a long time because of the relationship with. WCW and New Japan wasn't as strong, and then in the Nitro era, it's like, okay, he's you know he's he's full bore coming back along with Muda and like Tenzan and, and Chono and all these other people coming to do shots on Nitro on pay per views and stuff. Um, but let, let's go back to uh, I guess this is kind of just before the, the the Nitro era, right? So the match you picked, let's talk about that. What match did you pick, Matt, for for our listeners? Uh, I have picked from October 20th, 1996, uh, Jushin Thunder Liger facing off against uh, my all-time favorite wrestler, uh, the Great Muta. Okay, so is your all-time favorite wrestler the Great Muta or Keiji Muto in general? Keiji Muto in general, yeah. yeah. But this is one aspect of Keiji Muto's character, the Great Muta, of course. Uh, why did you pick this match? Uh, the, the reason why I picked this match is... And, and it's not the best Liger match, and it's it's not the the greatest Liger match by any means, but it's my favorite, um, partially for sentimental reasons. Uh, when I first got a, a, a decent dial-up internet connection back in 1997, the very first thing I went searching out was wrestling gifts and uh, MPEGs. And the one that I found was the Great Muda versus Jushin Thunder Liger. And I was like, oh, wow, that's got to be amazing. I need to see this. And I downloaded this match and was entirely not what I expected and was uh, awesome and for so many reasons that I didn't expect it to be. So it's uh, sentimental, plus it's, it's like the greatest side note to Liger's career, I think. Well, we'll talk about that as we get to it. But this is a very like historical match. Um, for what happens in the course of it. Now, I was doing some, trying to do some research about this match, and I don't know about you, but I, I could not find if they had a match before to set this match up, or this just like a, it's it's a match in isolation, and he, he just happens to, and Liger just happens to do what he does in the near the end of the match, just out of like, you know, out of the blue. Well, so uh, we talked about this beforehand, obviously, and, and I was kind of having the same issue of not finding much in a, of a background story about the match. And uh, you suggested that we talk to the, the smartest wrestling fan that we both know, which is uh, Alan Forel. 
And I reached out to Alan, and his response as to what led up to this match was, I don't know, does it matter? <laughs> um, so uh, honestly, I think it was uh, a little bit of an out of the blue match because it's uh, it's also a period where Liger was starting to dabble a little bit with heavyweights. Um, so I, I think that's where it was coming from. But uh, there's no huge buildup. There's no big setup to the match that I know of. Uh, I'm sure somebody smarter out there might have some deeper explanation of, of minutia. But uh, as far as I know, there's no deep seated storyline between the two leading into the match other than you know liger is kind of everything that is good and right in wrestling and particularly in new japan muta is the epitome of evil and you know the darkness in wrestling yeah and, and doing all this uh chicanery uh you know like uh, rule breaking he's the guy who like brings out a big spike to stab people in the head bust them open and and then we get things like the muta scale and the Hase scale in terms of uh, bleeding and stuff. If you don't know what, that, what I'm referring to in terms of the Muda scale, it's it's this like bleeding scale in wrestling that uh, we measure the amount of blood one sees emanating from someone's forehead uh, as a you know verse against like uh, a famous match. I think Mudo has with uh, I think it was Hase where they both bled like buckets. Anyways, if 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 you're really you know gushing out the blood from your head then you're on the Muda scale. If it's just a little trickle, nah, it doesn't really count. You don't really, you know, you don't really rate as far as the Muda scale goes. But l- look it up. It's out there online. People write about it and stuff like that. Um, what I like about uh, the fact that you picked this match was, like, I knew someone was going to pick it, but I'm glad it was you because, like, I, I want to hear, like, your perspective on this match because I-, I-, I can feel like some of the other guests I might talk to, they might, they're, they're either going to, like, just you know, effusively praise it and like, oh my god, it's the greatest thing ever. And like, I watched this match. This is like my second time watching it in, I don't know, like in 15 years. Like, I remember watching it a long time ago and I just rewatched it for this for this episode and I was just thinking, this was okay. Like, this is a, a decently worked match, but it's the storyline of this match. It, it's And it's the build-up to the big spot that Liger does, which is not a move. It's what he he becomes. It's the transformation he, he undertakes in this in this match that's like very historical and, and the and the highlight of this match. But as a match in of itself, it, it's okay. Like, I don't think it's a bad match. I don't think it's a great match. It's a very their match. Would you say the same thing, Matt? Oh, absolutely. And I, I remember back, uh, you know, a teenage Matt finally, you know, waiting four days for the download to finish up and, and finally turning it on and watching the match and going through the first part. And I had no clue what was going to end up happening. And you, you're, you're watching it and you're like, wow, this is, this is not as, cool as i kind of thought it would be with these two guys uh it's good but it's not great it's just okay and then you hit the last third of the match and it uh it doesn't matter what happened before then because it all makes sense in the context of what happens at the end yes. and uh i i really liked it it's it's kind of like the the ultimate story match for me and it entirely self-contained in that one match well let's get into the match itself and uh just as a note, I have to make a point of this. This match is not on New Japan World for some inexplicable reason. Uh, <laughs> I had to go watch this on YouTube, and I had to watch a really shitty copy of this because I do not have the tape, obviously, of, of that match uh, in my possession here in Japan. It, it's back in Canada, uh, and I have it on VHS. I, I know that for a fact. I don't have it on DVD, so I had to scour, you know, to be able to find it on my own, I didn't want to resort to like 
finding it, uh, asking a friend of mine to send me a copy of his that they he or she might have on on their own computer. But it's on YouTube, but a very very low quality of this. How did you watch this, Matt? The exact same way I watched the low quality, no commentary uh, version on YouTube. There you go. So like, uh, I'll probably put the link in the show description when this show is released. So people can go find it, but it's, it is a very easily, you know, accessible match on YouTube. Just type in Great Muda versus Jushin Liger, or you type in the, the phrase Kishin Liger. And you'll find out why in, in, a, in a couple of minutes, and then you'll be able to find this match. But let's go into the match itself. So Liger is out first, and uh, notably, he's wearing a white costume, Matt. It's a white costume with red trim, which is kind of the, the opposite of what he normally wears as far as his color scheme goes. Yeah, it's and it stands out right off the bat, but it also I, I said earlier, you know, Liger is kind of the epitome of everything that's good and right in wrestling, and and Muta is dark and evil, and it's just kind of epitomized just a little bit more by Liger coming out in his white gear, and it also, again, in hindsight, it's uh, reading a little bit more into it, but it also lets you know this is a little bit different. This isn't quite normal right off the bat. He's something is a little bit different uh, in this match as soon as he comes out. Yeah, and uh, out second is, of course, the Great Muda, and he's got some really cool, spooky J-Rock music for his entrance. Uh, right off the bat, though, you can tell that the crowd is hot for this match because it's two of these like legendary figures in New Japan, and it's two of the like the biggest gimmick wrestlers in the company, like character wrestlers in the company. Uh, yeah, definitely. And you know, uh, Muto is always over no matter what. But Muta always seemed to ramp the crowd up that just little extra bit because it was something special and something different. Um, and I think uh, for a lot of people who are uh, you know younger than you and I, who are both old fogies by most wrestling fan standards at this point, uh, you know Liger and Muta were both already living legends at this point. Like you know Muto is the last guy to win the G1 as the IWGP champ. He's already had that legendary run in the NWA. Liger's been a multi-time junior champion. He's already the greatest junior who ever lived at this point. So it's 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 a big match just by the two of them being there. And yeah. not just in hindsight. Like, it was a big match at the time, even if there wasn't a lot of build-up to it. Yeah, so uh, in contrast to, to Liger, Buddha is wearing black and yellow face paint. It's a it's a very spooky combination for him. Um, and he, like you're saying, Matt, he is so over. Great Muda is so over. Like he just does, you know, he does the two finger signal for it, that that he's gonna signal for the the green mist, and that just elicits a big pop from the crowd. But when he actually does the spit, right, he spits the mist out before the match starts. The reaction is even louder. Just that simple spot of just spitting stuff out of his mouth is just so over with the crowd. Yeah, and I I don't know as as a kid like you know face painted wrestler blowing mist in somebody's face was always like the the ultimate evil bad thing you could do and it was uh, always the the coolest thing that Muda did until of course he started to wrestle and you saw everything else that he did which blew your mind back in the late eighties but uh, the mist always holds a special place in my heart. Yeah, so right off the bat though, there's a big lighter call from the fans. Uh, the match starts with <laughs> Great Muda crawling out of the ring right away. And uh, he rushes the barricades, scaring the ever-living shit out of some of the fans in the front row, <laughs> which is great. You know, I don't mind if, if wrestlers do things like that because it, it's part of their gimmick. I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of, like, when you're actually, like, not assaulting the fans, but, like, you know, like, spitting on them. I'm, I hate spit in wrestling, to be mm -hmm. honest with you. Like, I don't care if it's water or real spit. It's just, you know what, they're not, they didn't pay to get spit on. 
Like, if you want to scare them because your character is a scary person, that's fine. Don't assault fans, whether it's, you know, with a, with a punch or with spit of water or actual saliva. It's gross. Uh, completely agree. And, you know, uh, Muda gets a bigger and crazier reaction out of the crowd by just running at the barricade than, you know, uh, somebody running through the crowd spraying water on them or uh, somebody throwing hats to the back of the crowd, too. Uh, this match uh, starts off once uh, Muda gets back in the ring. It's a, it's a really grapple heavy. So Liger initially goes for uh, Muda's arm, twisting it around until Muda is able to grab the rope. Liger then takes Muda. Uh, Muda, I, it's going to be tough for me to like not say Muto all the time. It's just try to say Muta. Uh, but Liger then takes Muta down by grabbing the leg and uh, catching Muda in a leg lock and then uh, a side headlock. So a really like surprisingly not a high flying match. Uh, both guys are actually known for being kind of like taken to the air or, or not a lot of, uh, you know, sh- plundering at the start of this match, Matt. Yeah, and, and uh, you're going to have to lead the, the, the talk about what happened in the match because the whole first two-thirds of this match all kind of uh, flows together into a jumble of not particularly uh, memorable. Like, I, I remember the context of the match and who did what. But I don't remember it move for move, and it's because it's slower, it's more methodical, and they're just taking that first step and building up into the story right off, right from the uh, the start. Which is, you know, Liger is is getting a little bit of the better of Muta, but Muta is obviously trying to like he slides out at the first. He's trying to pause and everything, and he's starting to frustrate Liger a little bit, and then Liger is frustrating Muta with uh, you know getting the better of the grappling exchanges. Yeah, as the match continues, uh, Muta shoots Liger to the ropes, but gets knocked down by a shoulder tackle from Muta, from Liger. Uh, another exchange sees Liger uh, sending Muta to the outside with a drop kick. Uh, it's a pretty standard wrestling match so far. Uh, Muta comes back inside. He kicks Liger. He rakes the eyes and gives him the uh, the flashing elbow, which is one of my favorite moves from either Muto or Muta. Yeah, and, and that's the the. the... The first time Muta really takes advantage of or takes control of the matches, but he has to cheat to do it. Uh, he gets frustrated with Liger, and he breaks the rules for the first time. And uh, yeah. Muta's just cool standing there. Muta is cool just turning his head. And, uh, you know, the flashing elbow is, is awesome. Yes. Uh, from here, uh, Liger reverses an Irish whip into the corner and hits Muda with a couple kick. Uh, from here, Muda just immediately bails out to the floor. And the, the first thing that popped into my mind, oh, is this a Jay White match? Oh, it's, oh so much so much uh, stuff from uh, Great Muda that I think Jay White maybe incorporates into his own uh, match psychology, so to speak, with the uh, going out to the floor multiple times. Because that's not, like something Muda was really well known for. When this podcast comes out, the, the takeaway from this is going to be that WH likes... Jay White as much as he likes Muta. Uh no, that's not any <laughs> takeaway. I'm saying like he's he gets a lot of. I'm not saying like he's directly influenced by the great Muta, but I I do I was reminded of like Jay White when I see like Muta keep bailing out to the floor to avoid having to you know engage with his opponent in this case Jushin Thunder Liger. Um, well, I think part of the reason why that that kind of seems similar to you is is both of them have the right timing to do that sort of thing. Um, I know you're not a huge Jay White fan, but he's got a good feel for when to do things. Um, booking aside and, and, you know, all the interference I know we don't like, but he's, he's got a, some of the same idea of Muta in the fact that just 
they instinctively seem to know when is the right time to do something to make it work. No, I, I do agree with like I think there's something to Jay White. It's just like the switchblade. I'm it's a character more than the wrestler that I'm not a fan of. But getting back to uh this match, uh while uh Muda is out on the floor, he lunges at the fans in the front row. I, I think probably making them shit their pants at this point. Well Muda's a, like a he stays so much in character that he uh you know, he frightens people and he He's not necessarily a fast-moving person, but he moves quickly. So when he takes that charge and all of a sudden it's he's not paying attention to the crowd and then he's on them. And, yeah, he'd scare the shit out of me. So. Uh, while he's outside, he also keeps lifting the uh, apron skirt, uh, teasing getting a weapon from under the ring, which is you know something that people are used to seeing <laughs> Great Muda do. Uh, Liger takes control of the match and gives Muda a backdrop, which uh, Muda no-sells as he just pops right back up and gives Liger an uh, overhead chop. Uh, Muda takes Liger to the outside and gives him a power driver on a ringside table. Looked really vicious there. Yeah, and it's you know it's the classic Japanese table that's not the uh, the flimsy press wood that we have in North America, and it you know it takes a big crunch, and you know the, it, it ups the violence level of this match like immediately. You know, Liger got a little bit frustrated with Muda, followed him to the outside, and that's what Muda wanted, and you know he starts uh, upping the violence and upping the cheating. Uh, Muda then takes Liger, uh, with, ch- sorry, he chokes Liger with a ringside cable. He then props up uh, a broken table. Or at least tries to, to great comedic effect uh, on, on my part. Yeah, and, and that's one of those things I mean about, uh, you know, having the right timing and whatnot. Just just a quick glance of his head at a table that won't stay where he wants it. And he's got the crowd going from being terrified of him to laughing and then immediately being back to terrified of him. Yeah, because right after that, Mudo probably says, fuck this shit, and throws a table right at Liker's head. So he, <laughs> he, he, he regains his heat from the uh, not being able to prop up the table in the corner. Uh, he then grabs some kind of pole and rams it into Liger until uh, Tiger Tori has to take it away from him. Uh, Liger fires back with punches and hits his own pie driver too. No effect, Matt. He, like, Buddha is not affected by any kind of pile driver or backdrop, it seems. No, and, and some people complain about Muda's no-selling at times, but again, he, he like I said before, he knows when to do things at the right time. Because it seems like, okay, Liger's making his big comeback and Muda just blows right through it and, you know, uh, takes back over. And he, he looks like a badass and everybody's left wondering how is Liger ever possibly going to be able to come back against this monster. Uh, from here, uh, Muda launches uh, Liger out to the entrance ramp uh, and then he gives him a suplex and then a running clothesline uh, back in the ring. There's a big backdrop on Liger, but uh, there's only a two count. Uh, Muta can't beat him at this point in the match. Uh, Muta sends Liger to the corner and goes for the space rolling elbow, but Liger dodges it and hits another capo kick, catching Muta right in the fucking face with his foot. I, I love the couple kick. It's it's awesome to watch, and it's a this is a really good one, and uh, it definitely gets Muta's attention. And at this point, Muta understands that he needs to up at another level. Yeah, at this point, this is like really where we, we see an escalation in the time, the pace of the match and kind of the intensity where they're not like grappling anymore. They're like, they're done with that. Now they're going to have a fight with each other. Uh, from here, um, let's see, where am I? Sorry, Muda goes out to the ring again and Liger uh, hits him with a top rope plancha. So he's jumping from the, the top turnbuckle onto the floor, onto Muda. Uh, very impressed. Always impressed when he would do stuff like this. 
Yeah, it's something about the compact size of, of Liger. When he flies, you, you got to figure when he hits you, it hurts. Uh, from here, uh, Muda then goes under the ring, Matt. He disappears from sight. And so we're wondering, where is he? What's he doing under there? Because there, who knows what's under there, right? There's a lot of shit in, underneath the ring, like like buckets, mops, bleach, but maybe some weapons that could have been placed there by the nefarious great Muda. Uh, Liger is like, fuck this shit, and he follows him under the ring, and there's a great shot of Liger <laughs> chasing after Muda underneath the ring. Yeah, and... Uh... I don't know if this went as smoothly as they had imagined this going or not. It is. It comes off a little bit weird, but it's really fun to see the cameraman go under the ring to watch Liger trying to find Muda under the ring and chase him and get caught up in a whole bunch of guide wires and whatnot that are under there. So when Muda finally reappears, he's he Matt, he's armed with a deadly weapon, a broom. And I, and I, and I got just taken back to like Kenny Omega's cleaner character at this point. (laughs) Uh, I can't say that that comparison popped into my head, but I, I did think uh, for the the master of evil Muda's uh, ultimate weapon after a, a, you know two minutes under the ring to be a broom was kind of funny. Yes, I, like I said, it, it's funny. It's a broom. Oh, Kenny Omega. That must be that must be the uh, the correlation in my in my memory. Like I just think comedy, a broom, oh, Kenny Omega. Among other things, I don't want to shit on Kenny Omega. It's not the purpose of saying that. Anyways, uh, he hits Liger with the broom, and then he chokes him with it. So actually, using this to a much more effective, uh, much more effectively than Kenny Omega ever used his broom, uh, he then proceeds to tear Liger's mask off. And this is where the match really takes off and enters another level. It, it reaches. This is where it reaches legendary status. Really, Matt. Well, th- th- this. Everything that happens from this point on is why this match is the match that I picked and why people still talk about this match. And, uh, you know, Muda's just fed up. He can't figure out how to, you know, he can't quite get the best of Liger, even if he's controlling the match. Liger keeps coming back and coming back. So he decides he's going to destroy Liger. And Liger is the mask as much as he is the man. So Muda decides to tear it off. And what happens from there? So... Muda goes to the outside after noticeably tearing off the mask. Liger's laying in the ring. Uh, you know, his hand is, is, he's got his face in his hands. He hasn't moved. You know, the crowd has gasped a little bit. They see that the mask has been ripped and uh, it's kind of like the hooded mask. So it's torn back, uh, still hanging around his neck, but his, his, his head is noticeably uh, exposed. And Muda takes his fine time outside and grabs a chair and hops back in the ring and he meets. Kishin Liger. Yes, Kishin Liger. Explain Kishin Liger for the fans, for the listeners out there who might, who may or may have never seen this version of Jushin Thunder Liger. So once Muda gets back in the ring, Liger stands up, takes his hands away from his face. He's painted in white makeup with uh, with red writing, uh, and immediately blows green mist in Liger's face, which the crowd just freaks out and. The, the best part about this and the reason why this is kind of like an example of how good Liger truly is, is that from this moment on, nothing – this man does not physically resemble Liger in any way, shape, or form. He moves different. He you know he gives out like the loudest sting woo I think I'd ever heard, um, and he's just pure violent. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing like how he becomes a completely different character like you're saying, Matt. Like, so from here – Liger grabs a spike. This is kind of like Muda's, one of Muda's, Muda's signature weapons is the spike. And he blasts Great Muda in the head with it and starts cutting the top half of his costume to reveal 
the the body paint he's wearing underneath that as well. So it's not just like the the face paint, uh, this demonic face paint that he's wearing. It's also like this this kind of like black scripture he's right he's written on his body as well. I don't know if it's supposed to be like symbols of like you know his demonic muscles or or some shit like that. You know, like if you saw this live, I'm sure, and it's the first time you're seeing it. I would I would imagine that it's something that you would be very taken aback from this like you know this kid friendly costume wrestler that that does a lot of awesome high-flying moves and now he's this super violent demon character yeah and you you can hear in the crowd when he first stands up there's like a little bit of confusion and huh and then when he blows the mist i think uh, they, they put this together really nicely because the second he blows the mist everybody gets what's going on um and the the crowd just gets super behind what they're seeing, which you know is almost weird. Like you said, it's you know a kid-friendly costumed character turning into this uh, violent, evil version of himself, and the, the crowd loves it, which you know says says a lot about wrestling fans, I think. But yeah, and like we're saying, this is a really violent version of like after the, the spike shot, uh, there's a chair shot to the head of Muda. He's thrown into the barricade. Liger basically mugs. Muda on the outside. It, it looks like almost like, like they should be calling the cops on this guy. Uh, there's a pile driver on the exposed floor, so he moves the mats away and then gives Muda uh, the, the, the pile driver. Uh, Liger takes a chair to the top and hits Muda square in the fucking head with this thing. It was unbelievable. Yeah, and, and you know, the first time I'm watching this, again, like I said, I had no idea what was coming. I'm blown away by the fact that, you know, Liger's turned into this insane little crazy person and he is beating the holy living shit out of muda who um to me uh, you know muda had been you know in the nwa in the late 80s you know he was like the coolest craziest moving wrestler ever but i knew enough that in japan when muda came out muda was evil and violent and he's getting just destroyed by liger and it's fantastic uh from this point liger throws a table into the ring and gets it up in the corner uh, he whips Muda into the table and tries to stab him in the fucking face. Thankfully, <laughs> Muda moves out of the way, and in a life-saving move, he hits Liger with the red mist. Not the green mist, the red mist. There's a big difference, Matt. Do you know the difference between the green mist and the red mist? The green mist is the everyday mist. He he will hit anybody uh, with the green mist, and that's just normal. But he only busts out the red mist when he means business and shit has gone wrong for him. And he really needs to up his game. And he needs the red mist in order to deal with Keishan Liger. Yeah, so that's exactly correct. The, 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 the specific effects of the green mist blinds an opponent, but the red mist burns the opponent. So it's like the green mist is just like regular, like, you know, liquid that gets your eyes. It's like it irritates you, blinds you. But the red mist is fucking tear gas in liquid form. <laughs> Well, and then he needed tear gas to uh, to deal with Keishan Liger, who was ready to kill him, uh, literally. Uh, Muda then takes the weapon and hits Liger with it. There's a space-rolling elbow, uh, which connects this time. There's a one-armed bulldog, the moonsault, and uh, Muda wins. One, two, three. And, I, you know, like some people might say, why, you know, like you had this great dramatic effect with Liger becoming Keishan Liger. Would it make sense for him to win? But... I think the story is, is that, you know, like, even with this character, you know, Muda's established, like, as a character, as a legend, this character is kind of, like, still, like, stronger than Kishin Liger. So I, I have no problem with, like, Muda actually winning this match, though, if Kishin Liger won the match, I wouldn't have had a problem either. But I do think 
you have to protect Muda, the character, more than you have to protect like the pace. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think it mattered at all whether or not Liger was able to win the match. And I, I, it's not the part that I remember, the fact that he didn't win. Uh, just the existence of Keishan Liger in and of itself was was amazing. And then, uh, like you said, Muda is you know well-established as you know the top tier in uh, New Japan at that point. And he probably does need a little bit of protection. You know, they still have the... Uh, in 1996, the heavyweight junior divide would be pretty strong. So uh, Liger doing what he was able to do with Muda, even absent the Keishan Liger aspect of it, was uh, you know kind of a win in and of itself. Yeah, so the great Muda defeats Jishin Thun Liger, a.k.a. Keishan Liger, in 17 minutes and 35 seconds. And uh, overall, what are your you know final thoughts about this match, Matt? Uh, you know, it's... it's Keishan Liger is kind of like just a little side note and a footnote. People, uh, a lot of people really love it, but it's it's a footnote to the career of of Jushin Liger. Uh, it's only come up two other times. It's you know it's when people uh, attack Liger's pride or or take take part of his mask or part of you know Liger's being. It draws out Keishan Liger, and uh, it seems to be that we're going to be seeing him at least one more time before uh, before January. Well, you know, as of this recording, I guess you haven't watched the destruction from uh, Kobe, but he did uh, re-debut Kishin Liger in, in, a, in a tag match against uh, Minoru Suzuki. So we're probably, as of this recording, like uh, King of Pro Wrestling hasn't happened yet. So I'm assuming that match happens there. I don't know if they can take it all the way to uh, his retirement match in the Tokyo Dome. Like, and I, I don't think he should be Kishin Liger in his retirement match. I think he should be Jushin Thunder Liger throughout the whole match for when he retires. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so now I'm super excited to to watch uh, Destruction in Kobe today because I had no idea about that. Oh, sorry. I uh, spoiled it for you. Sorry about that. You bastard. It's okay. It happens. Um, you could, you, I knew it was coming at some point. Um, I'd be okay with... Uh, uh, Would have been okay with a Kishin Liger match on January 4th and then a proper send-off for Jushin Liger on the 5th. But uh, if we get Kishin Liger... Again, after this, that's fine. If today was the end of it, that's that's also cool. Uh, you know, just cool to see Liger bust out uh, big parts of his history through his last few months. So you mentioned like this would be then the fourth time the thing with the Suzuki up to this point, as of this recording, would be the the fourth time he's done Kishin Liger. The, what are the other two times? So this was in '96 that uh, you know Kishin Liger debuted. Um, didn't rear his evil head again for almost a decade until 2006 when uh, Bad Boy Hito cut off some of Liger's hair. And uh, this is the only time that Liger has announced that he will be transforming into Keishan Liger for a match. And uh, Keishan Liger uh, showed up and uh, put a pretty good beating on Hito in that match. And then the other time was in 2012, uh, which uh, your absolute favorite wrestler, Taichi, uh, took, <laughs> drew the ire of Liger by constantly, again, going after his mask and tearing at it and ripping at it and ripping at it. And uh, uh, Taichi had to deal with uh, Liger, Keishan Liger showing up in a tag match and, uh, again, trying to kill him with a spike. Yeah, it's uh, always a fun time when, uh, you know, Keishan Liger shows up to you know, brutally assault wrestlers, especially when the wrestlers I don't particularly care for. So that Taichi match was a lot of fun to watch. I'm 
think I've seen the Bad Boy Hito match. Bad Boy Hito was a guy from FMW, as I recall. Uh, I was not that familiar with it, uh, with that angle or with him. But like, I think probably that's easy to find out. I, I might go out seek it out, you know, when I have some time, when I'm not watching all these other Liger matches to prepare for the rest of this episodes in this series. But uh, Matt, thank you so much for coming on to Thunderstruck. And I, I really appreciate it. As always, it's always fun to talk with you. And uh, where can people find Matt McEwen? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Matt McEwen four. And uh, other than that, uh, don't find me at all. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you're really stepping up the, uh, the, the chicanery yourself on, on, on Twitter recently. And, and uh, especially when it comes to like, legal issues like that's kind of your thing well it's, it's just one of those things where you know sometimes uh people step out of their realm of knowledge and uh overstate things here and there and uh, when it pops into legal stuff i will do my best to help people out to know what's really going on yeah you had this really great line someone like you're talking about the labor issue in, in, in california and like what's your qualification you said what was your your response like your job description uh my jd degree and my common sense yeah so it's there you go if, it's kind of, <laughs> especially who you're responding to we won't say who you're responding to but i thought it was funny i, I don't even remember who i was responding to at that point but, uh, uh yeah well, we won't if people want to look for that twitter thread you can go i doubt you'll, i doubt you'll find it like not that not, you can't find anything on twitter unless you're really really looking to shit can someone but anyways uh, it was a fun exchange. I always enjoy uh, when people bring up legal stuff and you jump in there as you're as you have this radar for legal issues in, in wrestling Twitter. And, and I know, OK, I see something about the law, labor law, contract law, some kind of law issue. OK, Matt's going to be in there soon and uh, he's going to he's going to tear somebody apart, which I'm always a, a big fan of you tearing people apart on wrestling Twitter with uh, legal stuff, Matt. I, I really shouldn't do that. I should be friendlier on Twitter, but the the snark gets the best of me sometimes. Now, well, we're Canadian. We're this we're the snarky Canadian type, so it it's very evident both your Twitter and my Twitter. It seems, uh, but that's okay. It's all good. So uh, my name's WH Park again. Sorry, and uh, you can find me at WH Park Nine if you want to give me a follow on Twitter as well. Uh, and on behalf of Matt, thanks to all the listeners for listening to our review of Jushin Thunder Liger versus the Great Muda from October twentieth, nineteen ninety six pro wrestling and until the next episode i will say to everyone goodbye